Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. This Baseball America college podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECsports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATECsports.com. ATEC, win every practice. I think we've changed that slogan to ATEC, win every podcast there. And that is, uh, that's, that's got some legs in the blogosphere and the Twitterverse, which I'm, I'm, I'm pleased uh, that you came up with that. And uh, everybody seems to like win every podcast. So let's win this podcast today, Aaron, by starting off talking about three updates from yesterday's podcast. And the left side of the bracket, we're going to talk about the right side today, your UCLA, uh, so the Los Angeles bracket all the way down to the Tallahassee bracket. But let's start off with three updates from the left side. Uh, first off, any of your reaction to a couple of teams that we found out where we know who they're going to start? Cal State Fullerton going to start Graham Wiest, one of their freshmen you talked about yesterday. Uh, but basically their number two starter, I guess, against Indiana State. And North Carolina State going to start Vance Williams, who's like a – midweek starter slash weekend reliever against Sacred Heart. What do you think of those two pitching moves? I'm okay with, with, uh, with the NC State move. I, I feel like um, Vance Williams is one of their more reliable guys, frankly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he's pitched very well for them in the bullpen. They, I think they trust him. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of like what San Diego is doing by moving its closer, uh, Michael Wagner, into the into the – you know, the starting role this weekend. We'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, I think you got to go with if, if a guy you trust happens to be in the bullpen, well, maybe, you know, um, maybe it's okay to make that move. But uh, um, I think that one makes sense. You're playing Sacred Heart. I don't think you, I just don't think you, you can throw Colors or Dawn in that game. Um, but uh, I think the other one is a little bit more of a surprise to me. I mean, I think Indiana State is a dangerous three seed. They've got a really good starter in Dakota Bacchus. Um, and I think that, uh, I think Fulton should have thrown his ace in that game. I think, uh, you know, if you lose that game, all of a sudden, you know, you're just, you're just really behind the eight ball. I don't know. I mean, I, I know you got to win three games regardless, um, but uh, I would have thrown, I would have thrown Flor- uh, Floro in that game. But, you know, Rick Vanderhoek, uh, he knows what he's got. I mean, I, I will say that every, it seems like every movie he's made this year um, has worked. So I'm, I'm, I know he knows his personnel very well. And it sounds like Florida's starting Jonathan Crawford against Bethune Cookman. I think we both think that's, Probably the yeah. smart move. We talked about it yesterday, did we not? Yes, we did. Um, and then uh, the not a pitching move, but the most uh, the, the most significant injury, it sounds like, on this side of the bracket, at least that's new, was the news that uh, South Carolina freshman catcher Grayson Griner has a left knee meniscus tear, which is sounds pretty significant. I know there was some Twitter reporting yesterday that talked about him, I believe it was John Whittle of uh, – the Big Spur, I think, is what that website's called, which is unfortunate for the website, but John does a great job. Um, but that, that, that he reported that Griner could be back for a potential super regional, which would be a pretty quick recovery from knee surgery. But uh, how do you think that affects the Gamecocks losing their freshman catcher? Well, it hurts them, I think, a lot uh, 
defensively because, as we talked, I think, about yesterday, Griner does a really good job controlling the running game. Uh, he's got a strong arm back there. Um, you know, he's he's gotten a lot better since he was in high school at, at blocking and receiving. I mean, he's become a really good defensive catcher. Um, I think Dante Rosenberg is a solid replacement. I mean, it's a nice backup guy to have, but he won't do as good a job against the running game, uh, and he certainly decreases their power. But, you know, I think they're confident in him, and, um, you know, I, I can't see this derailing the Gamecocks. I just think they're they're too um, they're too experienced and they're too confident. Well, they are still the favorite for me also in the Palmetto Apocalypse, but uh, if you missed it, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. We signposted every regional. You should be able to find the regional that you're interested in very easily, and we're going to do the same thing with this podcast. Here we are at the uh, six-minute mark of this of this uh, Skype call, Aaron, and uh, we're going to just dive right into Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Regional, the number two national seed and the number one seed in this regional, the UCLA Bruins, play host to the San Diego Toreros, the New Mexico Lobos, and the Creighton Blue Jays. Aaron, it feels like UCLA's got a tough one seed, just in that, uh, a tough four, although Creighton is not the Creighton that they've been the past couple of years. Pat Venditti, for example, is not walking through both of those doors, and uh, and neither is that fine defensive infield. It's still a decent defensive team, and they've got a guy in Ty Block on the mound who is you know, pretty legitimate number one for a four seed. Uh, does Creighton scare UCLA at all, or is UCLA too good uh, both for Creighton and for the rest of this regional field? I think I think UCLA should be concerned about Creighton, and particularly because if you want to beat UCLA, you know it's kind of like if you want to beat North Carolina, um, the best way to do it is to throw a good lefty at them. I mean UCLA has got uh, still has I think five guys in their lineup, regulars that are key guys that are left-handed hitters with Cody Kiefer and Jeff Jelich and Bo Amaral and. Uh, Cody Regis and, and Kevin Williams. So um, the best the best way to give yourself a chance is to have a good lefty. Uh, so I think that's a tough matchup for UCLA. But uh, I do think, you know, the Bruins don't roll over against left-handed pitching. I mean, I've seen them handle lefties before this year. And, um, you know, they're uh, they're still the favorite. But, uh, I, you know, I can't shake the feeling that that could be a – that could certainly be a trap game. I mean, there's no question about it. That's a tough matchup for, for one seed. It's a trap. I have to say it every time. Uh, meanwhile, San Diego is a program with some talent, program with some pedigree in recent years for very good regular seasons and then some postseason collapses. But the Toreros have had a good year, but they haven't had as high-profile a year as they had, you know, say when they had Solis and Blair, certainly when they had Brian Mattis. Haven't quite been as on the radar as they were in those years. And then you have the Lobos, who are sneaky good. Uh, sneaky dangerous. That feels like a pretty strong uh, re- regional area and a pretty strong regional for the number two national seed to draw. No, I agree with you. I think it is strong. I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's fair. I don't think it's uh, you know unbalanced. I mean, you've got you've got four teams that are seeded appropriately, as we talked about before. I do think New Mexico is a strong three seed though, um, and uh, you know, and, and better than your typical three seed. I think New Mexico is entirely capable of winning that regional. I just think that their offense is so dangerous. Uh, it's deep. It's uh, powerful. Um, it's it's patient. It's it's just really everything you're looking for in a lineup. It's athletic, um, and uh, and you know, New Mexico is a lot better in the mound than it used to be. I mean, you've got three guys now that. They really trust a couple of uh, kind of low three quarters guys with, with heavy sink, um, and then uh, and then you know the guy uh, Sanchez, um, Guerra Sanchez, who uh, or Hera 
Jera Sanchez, maybe. I think you're um, probably right. Who, uh, I like that. Jera Sanchez. That's good. Um, he's a guy that uh, you know almost has kind of like a Caribbean style. You know, he'll he'll mix different arm slots at you. I think he'll throw three different arm slots and throw different breaking balls and fastballs from each slot. And um, you know, kind of he'll get up to 91. I think he's kind of like a you know in that El Duque mold. You know, if if you will. Um, but uh, so you know they've got some arms too on this team. I mean, I think and they're playing with so much confidence. They have that Ray Birmingham swagger. Um, I think they're dangerous in this regional. I think it's clear that to everybody that we really respect Ray Birmingham and think he does a great job. Um, and that's why we think this San Diego, that this New Mexico team is dangerous. You mentioned San Diego moving their closer into a starting role. Uh, they've got Calvin Drummond. They've got uh, Dylan Covey. They've got, you know, wh- why are they moving Wagner into their weekend rotation, even though they have this other pitching depth? It's because um, Drummond and, and Covey just haven't really pitched very well in the second half. I mean, I think when, when San Diego was really firing on all cylinders uh, midway through the year, those guys were pitching well. And uh, and lately they've just been inconsistent, you know. And the same is true of Paul Seawald. They thought he was going to be their, their answer on Friday nights. They moved him into that role, and, and he struggled there too. Uh, you know, and he's a solid kind of senior guy, you know, just kind of a pitchability right-hander. But, uh, um, you know, they've got arms. It's just that, you know, all year long they've really struggled – to kind of get production out of the number one spot in the rotation. And um, we'll see if this is the answer. I mean, I think uh, I think the Toreros peaked maybe too early. I mean, I'm a little bit worried about their team. I do think they're a good offensive team. I mean, this is a regional filled with three really good offensive teams and then Creighton, which is not. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Creighton plays really good defense and does the things that Creighton always does. Um, so, you know, they're, they're always, I think, a pesky out because of that. But Creighton is certainly, I think, is still a heavy underdog in this regional, even though Block gives them a chance in the opener. I'm favoring the Bruins and their uh, everyday, everyday Davey Berg. Uh, Dave Berg has done in 43 of their 56 games and 18 in a row, which is pretty amazing. It's a pretty good bullpen. It's a good starting rotation, not a dominant starting rotation, but um, – and it's the best offense in this regional. So I'm picking the Bruins. I think the Lobos have the best offense in this regional, but we'll, it's close. We'll, we'll see when they're not when they're at sea level. They, but you know, they, this is a team that I think it's important to remember that Mexico has gone on the road. They've played a good schedule. Um, you know, they they went to TCU, which is more of a pitcher's park, and you know, and played very tight over there. Um, you know, they they went to Fresno State. Um, you know, they've. I think it's not just a, a product of their environment. I think they can really hit there, but. Um, that said, I mean, it's, you know, it's a tough one for me. I'm really tempted to pick New Mexico. Um, but, uh, I do think that UCLA's bullpen is a separator. I mean, um, it seems like with Berg and Ryan Dieter and Grant Watson and, and Scott Griggs, they can shorten games better than, um, the other teams this regional can, especially now that Michael Wagner isn't in the bullpen anymore for San Diego. Um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to stick with the Bruins because of that, and because because they've got a lineup filled with guys who've played for a national championship two years ago. Um, yeah, that matters too. I agree. You got Grant Watson, pretty amazing year, 86 innings, 33 appearances with 15 starts. I mean, that's that's Sarlos-esque uh, yeah. to invoke Kirk Sarlos for the second time. Uh, so a lot of discussion there in the Los Angeles uh, bracket. Pretty good-looking bracket. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a very tough bracket, and uh, if the Bruins are going to win that one, they're going to earn it. Uh, let's go to College Station, Aaron, a team that where the two of us have diverged this year. I'm not as high on the Aggies as you have been, 
and I think I've been proven wrong. The Texas Aggies are the one seed there. Uh, TCU two, Ole Miss three. The Dayton Flyers four, and Dayton in the regionals for the first time ever, correct? Uh, is that right? It might be true. I, I think actually it is. hadn't checked on that. I think it is the first time ever for Dayton to get in. and uh, It is. Yes, you're right. I'm looking at it right now. It's your Atlantic 10 champions. And, uh, you know, pleased for Dayton and, and kudos to those guys. I could not even tell you one thing about Dayton's uh, team, Aaron, so I'm going to let you do it. Oh, yeah. You put me on the spot. Go ahead. Um, no, I mean, I think Dayton is, uh, you know, it's. I think it's it's not a, a very strong four seed. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're a solid A-10 team, but uh, um, competitive. I mean, they've got a little bit of pop, I guess, in the lineup, uh, led by Bobby Glover, who's had a really nice year for him. Uh, he's also a guy that, in addition to having some power, has some speed, um, draws some walks. I mean, he's a, he's a patient, um, good all-around player. I think he's really the guy that kind of makes them tick. Um, and then you know, I think they've got a couple of decent arms. I mean, I don't think it's a great pitching staff, but, uh, um, you know, it's a, it's a team that, that uh, probably will be, I think, over, overmatched by, by Texas A&M in that first game. It doesn't, doesn't feel like Dayton's a threat there. It feels like you have three teams that we've ranked this year, A&M, TCU, and Ole Miss, uh, all been ranked at times. All of them have their strengths. All of them have their warts. It feels like A&M has the fewest warts out of this group. Let's start with Texas A&M. Uh, do you still feel like this weekend rotation? I, I definitely feel like one and two, uh, best one-two punch of any rotation in the country. It might just be Waka and Stripling. They're both quite good. Ross Stripling's one of my favorite guys in college baseball because of his story. He's kind of a recruited walk-on who's you know, really uh, you know, wasn't even anticipated to be a pitcher. He thought it was more of a position player. He's really had a tremendous career there. Both, both those guys are really good. Is that st- Do you still – are you still convicted that A&M has the best starting rotation in the country? I am, yes. I think that uh, those first two guys in particular, I mean, I just don't think you're, you got a better one-two anywhere. I mean, um, you know, uh, LSU for a while we had in that discussion, but Ryan Eads hasn't been as good in the second half. I mean, Walk and Stripling are just so consistent. Uh, and, you know, and their number three guy, Rafael Pineda, is, is – uh, well, I guess that you know it might be Daniel Mengden at this point. I mean, Mengden pitched the the Big Twelve Conference opener for him and and uh, pitched very well, went six and two thirds. Um, you know, he's uh, another power armed freshman guy that uh, can run it up there in the low nineties, has a good breaking ball. And originally they thought he was going to be their closer, and now he's their um, it looks like maybe their number three starter. But I mean, they've got four starters that they trust, which is nice because uh, I think Pineda's pretty good too. So um, you know. You've got some options here with the staff, and I I do like their bullpen. It has been uh, vulnerable at times this year, but I think with with Yuri Agus, who's uh, uh, had a really nice year for them back there, with uh, Kyle Martin, the you know, funky sidewinder, um, who, who's had his ups and downs, but I still think is uh, is, is a quality guy. Um, they've got some depth there around those guys. Um, I like the athleticism in the lineup. Um, you know, it's not a lot of power, but they're aggressive. They run them. They really, really run on the bases. I mean, look at all the guys, John, who've uh, got double-digit steals. I think it's one, two, three, four. It's, it's like six guys, seven guys that have stolen at least ten bases. So I mean, they run up and down the lineup, put a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, that's that's their mo, I and mean, that's how they that's how they've played for for years and years. It feels like at A and M. I guess that the key kind of for them, really, Aaron, hasn't it been finding another catcher so that Daniel Megden doesn't have to try to be Buster Posey and Mike and uh you know uh Matt Weeder so he can focus on pitching cuz they really needed that power arm either in the bullpen or 
and he's obviously worked his way into the rotation, like you said, but they couldn't have him doing both. Who who has stepped into that, yeah. that catcher role for him? Yeah, they haven't used Mengden at all really behind the plate this year. It's been it's been Troy Stein, uh that's been the guy and he's I think the thing that's surprised about A and M is how much offensive production they've got out of Stein. I thought they've I think they expected him to be more of a, a you know a catch and throw guy that just kind of handled the staff and whatever he got offensively was just a bonus and he's second on the team in hitting at 313 so um you know he's he's had a nice year. Yeah, and like you said seven guys with double digit stolen bases that that just jumps off the page at you with a 127 for the for the whole team. Uh meanwhile TCU and all miss pretty good matchup at 2 and 3. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did these teams not play in the regular season? Didn't they play each other for a two-game yeah, series? They- they opened the they opened the season against each other and it was shortened to two games by weather and they split those two games. So obviously, well, which team has made the most progress since then? It feels like Ole Miss kind of is who they were at the start of the year, uh, whereas TCU has been banged up a lot during the year. They had quite a few injuries. Uh, where, where do you see those two teams? Uh, you know, what are their chances of, and what are their chances of winning a, a regional? Well, I mean, I think they're both. You know they're both uh, capable of winning a regional. I think uh, Ole Miss to me has stumbled down the stretch. Um, you know they when when Ole Miss has is, is got the bats going, I think they can beat anybody because I think they're really they have a chance to be really offensive. I mean with Matt Snyder, um, you know as the kind of power guy in the middle and one of the best pure hitters I think in college baseball with Alex Yarbrough. I think Tanner Mathis is an exciting player. Um, you know they've got some depth in the lineup. They play good defense. A lot of athletes. Um, but uh, they just have struggled to score runs lately, and uh, they've, they've been in a funk. Maybe going, you know, I think they went 0-2 in the conference tournament. Um, maybe that gives them a little extra rest and time to regroup. I mean, that happened to – I think we're 1-2 in, in the conference tournament. Excuse me, they beat Arkansas, which also has struggled to score runs. But, uh, um, you know, a little extra time maybe to regroup and kind of like what South Carolina has done in the past where they've gone 0-2 in Hoover and – um, you know, use that extra time to kind of work on some things. I mean, I could see that maybe happening with Ole Miss, and um, they do have obviously a really good number one starter with Bobby Wall. Right. Imagine it's going to be Wall versus Mitchell in that first game, a rematch of of the first uh, marquee mound matchup of the season and weekend preview. Nice. A um, couple of couple of power armed guys, and and uh, you know it could go either way. Um, I like, uh, you know, I like. TCU's pitching depth a little bit more. Um, you know, they've got uh, between Brandon Finnegan, who's a really good power arm guy, and, um, you know, Preston Morris in the kind of um, touch and feel guys had a huge freshman year for them. Um, you know, with Crichton and uh, all these kind of guys, Jarek Suter has been an occasional factor. They have Caleb Merck, Caleb Merck back there. I mean, they've got depth, uh, but, but Ole Miss has the X factor with R.J. Hively. I'm not sure how they're going to use him. They're going to start him, or they're going to make him their their bullpen guy, or maybe do both. And he had uh, he had some he had some arm issues uh, last weekend. He had sore arms. I don't even think he pitched in the uh, yeah in the in the conference tournament. They've they've definitely that that's been their kind of bugaboo. That and then like you said, their their offense were like lately. Uh, you know, Zach Kirksey's out of the lineup because he strikes out too much. They just really haven't had a ton of success uh, scoring runs lately. They haven't hit for the power they hit for earlier this year. Right, exactly. So I think uh, so I think that's an interesting matchup. I could see either one of those teams, um, you know, getting hot and making some noise. Uh, I still think that TCU has some offensive upside that they haven't quite tapped into yet, but maybe they are who they are. Uh, but you know, they scored some runs in the conference tournament. 
in those windy conditions out there in Las Vegas. But uh, all in all, I think this is A&M's regional to, to lose. I just think that A&M is, is too good on the mound and, and you know too athletic in the lineup. I just think they're the, they're the team that I'm going to take to win this one. I also pick them, and I do think TCU and Ole Miss are properly seated, and you have an SEC team as a three that's usually a, a tough regional. You know, if New Mexico were in this regional, I could see picking them. I don't think they'd be intimidated at all by the Aggies. Not that, not that TCU or Ole Miss are, but I don't think New Mexico's kids, you know, it's just a little bit different playing Texas than it is playing teams in Texas for them because they play there a lot than it is going out to UCLA. I think the UCLA is a little bit too balanced and a little bit too offensive uh, for New Mexico. But I would, I would have picked New Mexico in this regional, but I think A&M is just too balanced, and that would set up a pretty – so we're both picking the Bru- the favorites, the Bruins and the Aggies. That would set up a pretty epic super regional here, and Texas A&M at UCLA would be a great super regional. Um, I'm going to make you answer first. Who would you pick in that super, Aggies or Bruins? Well, I like the Aggies. I just think the uh, the pitching really is a separator. I mean, UCLA um, just doesn't dominate on the mound the way that Waka and Stripling do. They don't. I think you're right about that. I'm still picking UCLA to win that that super regional. I like their offense a little bit better than Texas A&M's. Um, you've got me on the Heineman bandwagon, so I'm hoping that he could stop that uh, prolific running game of uh, Texas A&M's. Um, but that would be a pretty challenging super regional for either of those teams. Uh, that, that would be a super regional I would really love to watch. And uh, that matchup, I, I like the cross-country aspect of it as well, so... But uh, I, I would I would pay to watch UCLA Texas A&M. I don't I don't usually play pay to watch baseball games, but when I do, I would pay to watch UCLA and Texas <laughs> A&M. It might be the most interesting super regional uh, in the world. Uh, yeah. Aaron, on to the Miami regional. Uh, the Miami regional with the the regional that we don't think should have existed. Uh, the Coral Gables regional, I suppose I should say, with one seed Miami, two seed Central Florida, three seed Missouri State. Four seed Stony Brook. We've got the Brook ranked, Aaron. The Brook is the most dangerous four seed. Uh, how good is the Brook? Besides, I think everybody knows Travis Jankowski because we've written about him. He's been a draft guy. Uh, but 46 and 11, Stony Brook has had a pretty ridiculous year, and they've dominated that league for a few years. And now they're uh, and they've, they've been to regionals with this group as well. So, uh, how dangerous are they for Miami? Oh, I think they're dangerous. I really do. I mean. Clearly, I'm, I'm I'm a believer in the Brook. You're I mean, convicted. this is a team. I'm convicted. Yeah, this is a team that, uh, you know, if you look back to last summer, we wrote about how many you know, Stony Brook guys seemed like they were all over the Cape. They sure you know, did. They were, they were, they really had players that uh, that had strong summers uh, against the best competition in college baseball, and they proved themselves. I think, um, you know, and it wasn't just Jankowski who who obviously was a, a standout, kind of a breakout star in the summer. Uh, it was Max Tissenbaum, the second baseman, who's such a, a great run producer for them. Uh, it was, you know, um, Willie Carmona. Uh, Willie Carmona, you know, who's uh, he's got so much. He, he really kind of brings the physicality in the middle of the lineup. He's the guy that, you know, kind of the big bopper, got some power, um, and he's got arm strength too. I mean, they use him. Well, I guess they don't use him much off the mound this year. They used to use him more, um, but uh, um, you know, they've they've got uh, Tyler Johnson was a star in the Cape last year. Um, you know, he's a. Uh, I think a really competitive right-hander. It's not big stuff, but it's a lot of movement on the fastball, kind of 86, 88 range. Um, you know, good breaking ball, knows how to pitch. I mean, he's uh, almost like a right-handed version of Eric Erickson, you know. So uh, they've got a good number two with Brandon McNitt, a guy that's got 
real arm strength. Um, they've got a, a um, another guy with with power stuff, I think, in James Campbell. That's probably the best pure arm on the staff. They can use him in a variety of different roles, kind of a flex role. Um, you know, Frankie uh, Venderka is a, a quality closer that they believe in. Um, and then they've got a, a catcher, another guy that had a really strong summer in the Cape League, Pat Cantwell, you know, an experienced catcher, been around the block. Um, I just think it's a, I think it's a really good balanced team. It's a very good offensive team. They're hitting 337 as a team. Um, you know, they're compare that to Miami's numbers. And I know the competition is obviously, you know, not really comparable, but, um, I'm telling you, I think Stony Brook is for real. You are convicted on the Brook and, uh, they have some power. Like you said, Carmona really, I think you put it exactly right. He brings that physicality, uh, to the, to the, to the fold for them. And you need that. You need some of that to, uh, when you're going up against an ACC team, you're going to expect the ACC team is going to be more, uh, physical. And then I think also you're talking about uh, you know, they have some left-handed hitters. That's what worries me a little bit is that uh, Jankowski and uh, Tissenbaum are both left-handed hitters, and I believe Carmona is as well. Um, you know, that, he's a switch hitter. He's a switch hitter. Well, I know Miami is just very, very physical, but you mentioned Pat Cantwell, right-handed bat. They've got some right-handed bats in this lineup as well. It's uh, That's going to be a game where I don't think Miami can – can mess around. They can't run their third starter out there. They're going to have to run their ace out there, which to me, Aaron, leaves it open for a Missouri State or a Central Florida to take advantage of that, where you have the weakest number one seed in the whole field, and you have a pretty strong two, I think, in UCF, and a strong three in Missouri State. Uh, UCF, it seemed like, Aaron, they have just not quite been able to take that next step this this year to get past Rice. You know, Rice had its issues during the year in Conference USA, and UCF had some statement game, but they had that series at home into the season uh, where they, they lost that series at home to Rice, and they got strafed by UAB in their first Conference USA tournament game. To their credit, they rallied and won the last two games. This is a pretty deep roster. This doesn't feel like they have a star either in the, on the mound or in the lineup to, to separate them like we talked about yesterday. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair to say. I mean, you know, it's – the thing that the thing I worry about with UCF, and I know they pitched really well, um, but uh, you know, look, they've got a 3.33 ERA. I mean, they they really have pitched well this year. I like their bullpen a lot uh, with with Madrid back there and and uh, the left hander. Yeah, Joe um, Rogers. I like I like their bullpen Rogers, a lot. Thank you. Um, but you know, on the on, as far as the starting rotation, uh, I just I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's been a little up and down. I mean, they've had some guys, sometimes Ben Lively's been really good. You know, sometimes they've had, um, you know, Chris Matulis is they kind of think has been their most reliable guy. Um, you know, they've got uh, Hanson and Skoglund and Adkins. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys that they could start, but I don't feel like they've got a true ace. Uh, so, you know, Missouri State has two kind of true aces, I think, with That's Nick good. Petrie and, and Pierce Johnson. So, that's a tough. That's a tough way to start this thing. I mean, I don't know who Missouri State's going to start. I don't know if they've announced that yet, but um, you know they've uh, they've got two guys that are really good, and one of them is a, is a power guy, Pierce Johnson, a you know kind of a top top uh, two rounds kind of a pick, maybe even a supplemental guy, and the other one is uh, you know is more of a pitchability guy who's done it all despite having a you know arm injury all year long and despite, just uh, despite being eighty three, eighty six all year, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, Petrie is is uh, just really knows how to pitch, and that scoreless streak he had was something else, uh, you know. And and he did it against good teams. I mean, it was a good year for that conference. So, 
Missouri State, uh, certainly you can envision them going starting off 2-0 in this regional with those two guys on the mound. Honestly, Missouri State's team reminds me the most of Central Florida's team back in 2001 when they had Jason Arnold and Justin Pope. They had two great starters. They dominated the Atlantic Sun all year. I believe they were sent to Columbia as the one seed. They might have been a two seed. They were sent to South Carolina. Uh, they started their third starter in the opener against Princeton. Uh, his name was Brad Busbin, and he had been a transfer from Georgia Tech. He got bombed in the first game, but they rallied to win that game with either Pope or Arnold coming out of the bullpen and bailing out their poor starter. Then they won the 1-0 game against South Carolina on Saturday. So they had a 2-0 lead in the regional, but they'd used their two studs, and they were out of pitching, basically. They were 2-0. They had to beat South Carolina once, and they couldn't do it. South Carolina came back to win that regional. That's how Missouri State feels to me. I know they have more pitching than just two because Paul Evans, their pitching coach, and obviously Keith Gutton, they do a great job there. They've got, like, what, six or seven big leaguers, uh, yeah. big league alumni right now. They're almost all pitchers, and then Ryan Howard. Um, they got a lot of big league alumni, Detweiler. Uh, Ziegler, so they know they know pitching and they know their personnel. They've been to Omaha in 2003, back when they were Southwest Missouri State. But it feels like they have that great one-two punch. But I don't know if they have the firepower offensively, Aaron, to push through that. Do they have the pitching depth after those two studs to win this whole regional? Because they feel like a pick I could make. I think they've got you know they've got a couple of guys that they trust. I mean Clay Murphy. Um, uh, is kind of a kind of a flex guy for them that uh, you know really it's not a, not a power guy again. His pitchability guy keeps you off balance, but he's had a really nice year. Um, they can use him in a variety of different ways. Uh, he probably would be maybe their third starter, unless they go with Cody Schumacher, who's had a really nice year. Um, and then Tyler Burgess is kind of the anchor in the bullpen, and and Grant Gordon. I mean they've got uh, they've got some guys, but it's really you know it's five or six deep. I mean maybe seven I suppose, but I mean it's not it's not a terribly deep staff. But you know I mean they could. I don't think they're they're in trouble when they get to game three. I, I still think they have they have good arms on that staff. For what it's worth, Aaron, I know we don't usually talk about other people's awards, but Nick Petrie today was actually named the Louisville Slugger Division One National Player of the Year by Collegiate Baseball. Wow. Now, that shocked that? me. Now, he had about as good a year as anybody had. I think he's an All-American. Yeah. I would not say that he's the Player of the Year because I don't believe he's the best pitcher on his team. So... Mm. Um, that's a fundamental difference between our award and everybody else's. I mean, you know, he had a better season. Uh, you know, it's not all uh, talent-based for what we do. Obviously, we factor in the results most here at the end. I think, you know, to me, Nick Petrie is, a, a, like I said, a first-team All-American. For me, it's off the top of my head. But uh, you can't convince me that he's better than, say, Carlos Rodon or Marcus Stroman, no. you know, Uh I would love. I would shudder to think what numbers Marcus Stroman would have put up with uh, Missouri State's defense behind him. But I'm a little bit shocked that a guy who's 10 and three is their College Player of the Year. Um, I, I, it shocked me so much. I felt we should mention it. So, um, but offensively, it doesn't seem like outside of Kevin Medrano, who's a really nice, you know, contact hitter, bat the ball, a little bit of speed. It doesn't feel like their offense is much to write home about, Aaron. It's it's certainly I think uh, not as potent as UCF's offense or Stony Brook's offense, um, so you know I, I think that that's been their probably their their Achilles heel at times this year scoring runs. Um, I don't know. I mean I think this is a wide open regional. I really do. And we talked I about Miami. One of these teams. I'm sorry. We talked about Miami's unworthiness maybe as a host. 
Let's talk about their team, though, actually. You got a, you saw a lot of them yeah. in the agency tournament last weekend. I've seen some of Miami this year. Uh, they're a different team, obviously, with Peter O'Brien back in the lineup. He's a powerhouse. Uh, might play first base. Might just DH. Uh, he wasn't very good at first base last week in the ACC tournament. Um, had some good at-bats. Had some where the rust showed from that left wrist injury. Um, what do you, what's your take on the on the, the Canes? I feel like, to me, they're just going to go as far as their pitching can take them. And it's a good bullpen. Excuse me, it's a good bullpen, not a great bullpen. It's a good rotation, not a great rotation. But it does feel like uh, they play a lot of close games, and with Jim Morris, they're going to win their share. Yeah, that's a pretty good take, you know. And, and I will say that I was impressed, really impressed with Brad Feger at third base. I think he's a very good player, uh, really sound defender who just makes all the plays, uh, has a knack for getting the big hits. Um, you know, I like I like him offensively too, but I don't like him as my cleanup hitter necessarily. Right. I mean, he's hitting, you know, hitting 296, slugging less than 400. Um, so it's, you know, he's he's a, he's a good player, and he impressed me. And Chance Mack seems like is kind of getting hot at the right time. I mean, he hit his first home run of the year um, at the ACC tournament. But again, I mean, this is a guy that has eight extra base hits this year and 157 at bats. I mean, it's just it's just not a very offensive team. I mean, Dale Carey is exciting. Um, he's got, I think he's got some looseness in his hands. He can really run. Um, Rodriguez maybe showed some signs that he's starting to come out of his really poor season long slump that he's had. I mean, it's just, uh, he's been a bad year for Ronnie Rodriguez after, after a really big year last year. But, um, I thought he, I thought he showed some signs of life this, this week in, in, uh, in Greensboro. So that's a good sign. I mean, maybe this team is, the offense is coming together at the right time, but I'm not a believer in the offense. Um, I think the pitching is, is solid. Uh, but uh, their defense is pretty iffy too, and that's the that's the the problem yeah. for me is that Miami combines iffy defense with pitch to contact pitchers, and they have they don't yeah. have guys who you know blow you away. They don't have guys with stuff outside of EJ Inzanosa, whom right. they no longer trust in the bullpen. Uh, I don't think AJ Salcines is exactly a hard thrower, is he? I mean, he's a, he's okay, but he's no. not as live as as uh, Inzanosa, is he? Right. No, he's he's a left-hander that's kind of a. Um, more, I mean, I would call him more of a finesse guy. Yeah, he's had a great year. I mean, 147 ERA, seven saves, and uh, Eric Nigelovic. The bullpen is, again, Jim Morris, I've said it for years. Aaron's tired of me saying it. I don't think anybody in college baseball manages a bullpen like Jim Morris. Uh, he's the best at it. So, But I don't think Jim can manage past Stephen Perez and Tyler Palmer and Esteban Trescalo and – now, these guys, they just they just don't pick it, Aaron. Uh, I guess Palmer kind of does, but they, they really just aren't a great defensive team. It's uh, especially in the infield. I think they're just not reliable enough. So I, I picked Central Florida to win this regional, and I, I could have picked any of these four teams. Yeah, I I kind of went through the same process. Had a hard time deciding who to pick. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to take Stony Brook. I think they uh, I think they're not going to be afraid <laughs> uh, going down awesome. there. That's awesome. You're picking the brook. I'm picking the brook. Now, a four seed besides Fresno State, was it, cause wasn't Fresno a four seed in 2008? They were. Yep. Uh, can you remember any other four seeds winning regionals? Missouri won a regional as a four seed. Um, That's right. That was like 2008, 2000. That was the same year, wasn't it? Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was 06. I feel like it was 06. For some reason, that year sticks out in my memory. But uh, not a lot of four seeds win them. But uh, for Stony Brook to win a regional, this is this is a winnable regional. They got a tough they got a tough draw. It's a stacked regional. I think they're the best four seed. But uh, 
that, I, I guess we both would agree that anybody can win this regional. This is one of the few yeah. regionals where any of the four teams, to me, it's it's really almost even Steven. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, yes, I mean, you have to acknowledge Stony Brook plays in the America East. They are the underdog, you know, because they don't see this kind of this caliber of competition most of the year. But I just, like I said, I believe in their talent, um, their experience. They won a lot of games there the last few years. So I'm going to go for it. Stony Brook. Make it so. Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Aaron just picked Stony Brook to win a regional. It's awesome. The Baton Rouge <laughs> regional. Aaron, this one uh, is top-heavy. LSU, the number one seed, the regular season Southeastern Conference champions. Good to have the Tigers back and being good in college baseball because, let's face it, college baseball is better when LSU is good. Oregon yep. State, too. Uh, the second seed, the O-State Ballers. Yes, they ballin'. Uh Belmont, three. Louisiana Monroe four, Aaron. Let's just start off with the, with the, with the Bayou Bengals. Uh, to me, my counter to you saying that uh, Texas A&M is the best one-two punch, I would counter with Gossman and Eads for LSU and say that's the next that that's the best one-two punch. How do you rebut my counter? I think uh, at its at its peak, you could make that argument, but I just think. Eads hasn't been as good in the second half. He's been a lot less consistent. Um, you know, it, when you get Michael Walker and Ross Stripling out there, you know exactly what you're going to get. You know, those guys don't turn in stinkers. Um, That's the correct and, answer, actually. Is I would say that the, I would have said peak value, I'll take Eads and Gossman, but for consistency's sake, I think you're absolutely right. Because Stripling, especially, just he's a metronome, man. That guy is just he's really he's underrated. And, I mean, and you know, and, and we're talking peak value. I mean, hell, stripping through a no hitter this year, you know, and he's You're right. he's he's at, he dominates. And Michael Walker had a perfect game into the eighth inning against the you know a regional number two seed in Pepperdine. I mean, those guys, I think they have peak value and consistency. I think they're the best. All right, Rabbit, you made your point. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I'll give you that. And then it seems like LSU. The issue with them lately, Aaron, is they haven't scored a ton of runs. Uh, Jacoby Jones has never quite developed. Arby Fields had that nice hot streak during the year. He's back down to like 230 in the lineup. Uh, outside of really kind of Rafe Rhymes and you know Mason Katz and Austin Nola, it doesn't seem like they really had anybody who's been hot lately. And at some point, Rafe Rhymes, the SEC Player of the Year, he has to cool off, doesn't he? He has cooled off. I mean, he's down to 459. <laughs> he was. He was hitting 500 a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know it's, he hasn't cooled off much. I mean, he's still obviously uh, a real, a real threat in the middle of the lineup. But um, to me, I mean, the key is is uh, Mason Katz. You know, I think that's the guy that really can can break a game open with his power. You know, I mean, he's he's got 11 home runs. He's had a knack for coming up with timely hits. Um, he's a good player, I think, in the field too. I think he's an underrated athlete. Um, you know, I think he's. Uh, I think he's a guy that doesn't get as much attention as he deserves. I think he's a, a solid player, and uh, uh, he's the guy that I think kind of, you know, in addition to Rhymes, um, really is, is a presence in the middle of their lineup. Ray Rhymes' name just makes me want to go all Buster Rhymes on you in the, you know, row row like a dungeon dragon, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to do it, but uh, his name is awesome. Ray Rhymes, this team has as many good names, Arby Fields, <laughs> Jordan, Daedalus, and Snickerus. Uh, Grant Dozar, these are some great names. I mean, Brent Bonvillon, Beau Didier, it's just a great name. It's a team of great <laughs> names with a with a good one in the bullpen and Nick Goody. Um, I think LSU is the favorite here, Aaron. 
I do think Oregon State is extremely dangerous. They're, they're battle-tested. I believe we should point out that they are extremely well coached with Pat Casey. I think that yeah. sometimes I think that goes without saying, but again, that falls almost under the uh, it's so understood by us that we kind of take it for granted, kind of like uh, like Mike Martin. What's got yeah. Oregon State on this hot streak where they went in and swept Oregon to end the season? Well, um, you know, I think it's a it's a combination of things. One is I think they're really really good on their home field. You know, this is a team that feeds off its crowd. Um, you know that, that it's kind of right on top of you over there, and, and they're you know they're 18 and six at home. If you look at the big series that they won this year, um, UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon, those were all home series. Uh, um, you know, and, and they they did win road series in the last couple of weeks, but they were at Utah and Washington State, so not the not the best teams in the, in the conference. You're but right, and they lost still, the series team, at USC. They did lose. They got did. swept at Arizona State. That's a great point. I mean, they did they they swept Cal at Cal. That's their big road series, I guess you'd say. Right. So I, I got to say that the atmosphere in Baton Rouge will be a little different than the atmosphere in Berkeley, um, you know. And 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 I and I that is a concern for me. You know, if Oregon State has a young team, um, how are these young guys going to do going down there and game on the line in front of ten thousand screaming Cajuns? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's a factor. I mean, it's a factor. I think I think that crowd is a real um, something to consider here this weekend. But you know, hey, they don't they don't team, call that they don't call that billboard the Intimidator for nothing. That's right. That's right. Uh, but, uh, you know, Oregon State does have quality arms. I mean, Jace Fry and Dan Child and Ben Wetzler are three, you know, really talented young um, starters. Um, I think that uh, Scott Schultz is a guy that has really kind of emerged as their their best arm in the bullpen, I think, John. I mean, you know, coming into the year, we thought it was going to be Bryant and um, and Boyd, and those right. guys have kind of had their, had their taken their lumps. But Schultz has good stuff. It's a lot of life on the ball. It's a good hard breaking ball um you know he's he's kind of uh he's kind of the, the difference maker for them now in the bullpen but uh the other thing is Oregon State is is just so much you know more potent offensively than they have been recently i mean michael conforto changes the whole complexion i think of that lineup with that power presence in there he's their their mason cats i suppose uh except he's i think he's you know certainly has more upside than than cats does i mean this guy's a really big time prospect yeah, I mean, this is a team that uh, will bunt. I got, they got 80 sacrifice bunts. <laughs> That's a lot. Mm. That's in Virginia territory with, with the O-State ballers. But then, like you said, I mean, lately especially, just haven't seen big power numbers on this team. And it looks like it's not just Comforto. Uh, you know, Denny Hayes is kind of a veteran guy there. It's, it provides some power. And then Ryan Dunn kind of been a steady, uh, another big bat in their lineup. And they draw a lot of walks feels like, like you said, like the, the difference between this O-State Ballers team and past ones is they're much more um, offensive uh, than past teams have been. And yet, like you said, you're asking this team to go on the road and uh, win a series in Baton Rouge when they really didn't face any atmospheres like that during the regular season. Um, Belmont and Louisiana Monroe, anything you want to say about those two clubs? I don't mean to brush over them, but your Atlantic Sun champion and your Sun Belt champion – both those leagues were down by their own recent standards. I don't give either of those teams a real legit shot to win this regional. 
Uh, I don't either. I mean, I think it comes down to LSU and, and the Beavers, but, you know, Belmont is, is worth mentioning because they were in a regional last year, um, you know, so they've got some experience. I like the speed and, and athleticism in their lineup led by Zach Mitchell, who I think is a really nice player for them. Um, you know, it's uh, on the mound. They're, they're, I think they were the best team in the in their conference on the mound. They, they, they can pitch, um, you know, Chase Brookshire, and it's a great name. Yeah, the left-hander, yeah, he's, he's had a nice year. He has. You're right. And so, um, you know, I think uh, I think they can compete in this regional. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win, you know, win that opener against Oregon State. But, um, you know, I don't I don't I don't think Monroe is much of a factor. I think, uh, you know, they, they got hot at the right time. Um, it really wasn't a very good Sun Belt this year. And they went 15 and 15 in that conference. But, um, you know, nothing about them really leaps out at me. I mean, just looking at their team, I I, I don't see a real carrying tool, if you will. Right, right. There's not one thing you can necessarily point to uh, that stands out. Just like looking at their preseason questionnaire um, and, and preparing about them for the draft. Like Joey Rapp uh, came into the year with a rap for being pretty good. Uh, big power. He's probably their top draft pick. Uh, I should say big raw power. Um, but again, just... And, and I, th- I think it helps that Louisiana Monroe... Um, well, I guess as a help or hurt, I'm sure they've played at LSU. I'm sure half of those kids who are from that area dreamed of going to LSU. Uh, does it help yeah. a team in your – from your uh, drawing on your history, has it helped or hurt teams when they've been the local team, like the directional school like they used to be, Northwest Louisiana, playing at the Big Brother school? I mean, it doesn't feel like the directional school ever wins those those regionals. Yeah, you think back to, you know, in East Carolina, for instance, going into Chapel Hill and, you know, or, and wanting to win that thing with with every ounce of their being, right. you know, and it, it seems like it's almost, it can almost put too much pressure on you. It right. just makes it too difficult. Uh, I wonder if Coastal Carolina has had the same thing going to, you know, when they play South Carolina. Um, you know, I, I imagine it's the same thing in Louisiana. You know, it's, uh, it's, I think that's a factor, John. I think it is. It's a good point. We've got uh, Joey Rapp is the guy. I mean, to me, he's the guy who stands on the team. And the crazy thing is, he's got. I was told he has as much power as anybody in the in the Sun Belt. And I'm looking here, and he does have nine home runs, but he's only got 55 strikeouts. So, yeah. um, I think uh, this is a team that strikes out a lot. Holy cow! 468 strikeouts and 2,078 at bats. That's like uh, it's close to one out of every four bats. One out of five at bats, they strike out. So that's a lot of strikeouts. You got the Logan. The, uh, this is not nice, but the aptly named Logan Fiasco with 74 <laughs> strikeouts and a 181 batting average. Um, I, I presume, looking at his numbers, that Logan Fiasco was not a fiasco defensively uh, behind the plate. It looks like he has been pretty good behind the plate for Louisiana Monroe. But uh, I'm picking LSU in this region. I was sorely tempted, Aaron, to pick Oregon State, but I just didn't think Baton Rouge was the place where Oregon State could go on the road and, and win a regional. I feel the same way, and, and, and I also think this is a good LSU team. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're very battle-tested and very just so good on the mound. You know, I just think they're um, they're just so experienced and proven on the mound now. The bullpen, I, I, we talked about UCLA's bullpen has been kind of a surprising strength for them, and UCLA, uh, or LSU rather, is in the same category for me. You know, that bullpen's been a lot better than anyone thought it would be. They've got righties and lefties. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about Goody before is really being a power guy back there, an anchor. They've got uh, Chris Cotton from the left side and uh, Joey Bonvillon, as you mentioned. Um, you know, it's uh, there's depth. There's a lot. There's a lot to like about LSU. I think they take care of business at home. 
And uh, you know, the other part of this, actually, I wanted to ask you, Aaron, was why the giant disparity? I mean, I think that's what they're asking in the in in the state of Oregon. Why the giant disparity between Oregon State being a two seed at a national top eight national seed in LSU versus Oregon, where the the difference in the correct me if I'm wrong, Oregon finished one game ahead of Oregon State in the Pac-10. Then Oregon State won four out of the five games the two teams played. Yeah. Why is Oregon – I know Oregon did play a better non-conference schedule, especially they were buoyed by going to Vanderbilt and sweeping that series. But were the schedules in non-conference that different for Oregon to be a number one and a top eight national seed and Oregon State to be a two seed and a very tough place to win? It does seem like too much of a, of a disparity because – I mean, I think Oregon has the better resume. I mean, they're um, – they're, they're 21 spots, I think, ahead in the RPI. Okay. Uh, and that's partly because of they have played a better schedule. Uh, they're 13 and 7 against the top 25 in the RPI, whereas Oregon State is 9 and 8, which is solid, but not as not as robust. Not as loud. And Oregon State, and Oregon State's only 1 and 1 against those 26 to 50 teams. Uh, Oregon's only 2 and 1. So I mean, it's you know neither of those teams has a a ton of top 50 games, but um, you know I, I think that the fact that Oregon won all of its won it uh, four series we've talked about all year with Oregon. Stanford, UCLA, uh, Arizona State, and uh, and Arizona. Three of those series were on the road that they won, and and Oregon State won all of its series at home, the, the really big marquee series. So um, that to me is a difference as well. I'm not saying that that Oregon necessarily deserves to be a national seed with Oregon State as a two, um, but uh, I'm okay with it. I, mean, I don't think it's an outrage. I agree, it's not an outrage. Let's move on to the Chapel Hill Regional. Uh, so far, we have picked UCLA, Texas A&M, and LSU to win regionals. I picked UCF to win the Miami, the Coral Gables Regional. Aaron picked Stony Brook. The Chapel Hill Regional, where I will be uh, part of the weekend, I'll also be at the Raleigh Regional. The one-seeded Tar Heels, who are the number six national seed, second-seeded East Carolina, third-seeded St. John's, four-seeded Cornell. Uh, can the Big Red last a little longer, Aaron, if I can use a gum pun? Uh, and Do any of these teams – to me, this is like North Carolina – this is probably the most lopsided regional. I feel like St. John's is better than East Carolina, but I still feel they're yeah. three seeds. I feel like this is a pretty winnable regional for the Tar Heels. I agree completely. I think this is uh, – I mean, it seems like North Carolina you – know, I hate to say it, but it seems like they've they've really gotten some some good fortune over the years in their, uh, their regional pairings. I mean, I feel like they've seldom had a really – Difficult regional, um, but uh, and I feel like this is the same way. I mean, we've talked about East Carolina as, as I think the the weakest two seed. Um, I do think St. John's is a, is a dangerous three seed. They've got some arms, you know, with with Matt Carasitti and, and Kyle Hansen. Uh, they've been in three straight regionals now. Um, you know, Jeremy Baltz uh, is is that veteran guy that kind of anchors their offense, and um, you know, Matt Wessinger's had a fantastic year, um, especially offensively, and he's handled shortstop okay to replace Joe Panic. Uh, I think St. John's, to me, is a team, team that could make some noise here, but uh, I just think North Carolina is so good on the mound, so deep, especially in the bullpen. Um, you know, and, and you talk about experience. I mean, all the Omaha trips that this program has made, including last year, uh, I, I just I feel like North Carolina waltzes through this thing. I, I feel like it too. I, I do think I, I know that we we agree East Carolina doesn't deserve to be a two seed. I don't know that we necessarily think they don't deserve to be in the regional. There was a very informed, I thought, civil debate on our website on the comments of our college blog yeah. between Wake Forest and uh, East Carolina backers. Um, 
maybe almost rethink my position at least a little bit. Um, but to me, it still feels like um, East Carolina just doesn't have enough offense here. And I feel like St. John's still a bit better team. I think so, too. I do. And, uh, you know, coming into the year, we had St. John's just outside the preseason top 25. Right. I mean, we like their team. And uh, they're so well coached, too. I mean, the job that had Blank Meyer and Mike Hampton and Scott Brown do up there. I mean, they really uh, they make this, this team competitive every year. Um, and, uh, you know, East Carolina is, is – also, I mean, you know, they're they're competitive every year. They're in regionals every year too. It's a really, uh, you know, but, it's a pretty scrappy program. It doesn't doesn't seem like they've gotten that that one offensive breakthrough player the last few years. I mean, obviously yeah. they were pretty close on getting Mike Trout. I mean, you know, Mike Trout was committed to East Carolina. What what a coup that would have been. Um, right. They've gotten that Joker to, to 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 come to Greenville. So it just feels like that's that that team hasn't really, and it, I guess it's really just been position players. Because they've also been a little iffy defensively in, uh, in the last few years, and the thing that I respect most about that program is that they fight through those things every year. This year it was such a surprise that that team didn't get better through the year. The last few years under Billy Goodwin has really been more a matter of ECU getting off the shakier starts and then rallying once they got into conference play and figuring it out. Yeah. That's really been more their mo, hasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I like I like Billy Godwin a lot, and um, you know he does a like you said, I think he, he does tend to um, – his teams tend to get better over the course of the season. That's a great way of putting it. But this team, to me, they really seem like they kind of went backwards down the stretch. Maybe it was just a, a slump. But, you know, that said, they are still dangerous because especially Kevin Brandt, you know, who seems like he's been there forever. But uh, uh, the left-hander, number one starter, really experienced. He's pitched very well in regionals before. Um he doesn't, again, have big overpowering stuff, but he's actually kind of a lot like St. John's big lefty. Um, uh, help me out here, John. Um, I don't know which one's left-handed, but <laughs> I'm looking at their stats. Hagen, right. Yeah, okay, Hagen. I mean, he's he's kind of in that same mold. I mean, they're both kind of big, angular guys that, you know, mid-'80s fastballs, that they spot really well. Um, so I'm not sure. who Hagen might start the opener. He's been their most consistent guy. I don't know if St. John's has made an announcement yet. Uh, but... Uh, you know that 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 I think is one thing that ECU has going for it is it's got a really good number one. Um, I think uh, I think the bullpen is pretty solid. Um, you know, doesn't I'm not blown away by this team, but you know, Drew Reynolds and and uh, and Tanner Merritt have been a pretty good one-two punch in the bullpen. Gotta say, I'm very disappointed to see that Jerome Werniuk has not had a great year for the for the Johnnies. We, we were on the Jerome Werniuk train. Uh, <laughs> I was really hoping Jerome Werniuk would be a dude. Hasn't happened. Come on, Jerome. Um, we're both picking the Tar Heel to win the Chapel Hill Regional, correct? Yes. On to Tucson, Aaron. The Tucson Regional in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, Arizona, the one seed. New Mexico State, the Aggies of New Mexico State are the two seed. Louisville Cardinals, three, and Missouri, four. It's kind of a strong regional, Aaron, because I think normally you would think of Missouri or Louisville as your two seed here, but... New Mexico State certainly earned a two seed, and uh, can they do anything with it? Are they, you know, where are they the second best team in this regional for you? No, I think Louisville is for me. I think that's the team that I think is the most dangerous of those three um, because I I really like their pitching. You know, first and foremost, I mean, um, Justin Amlong, um, Jeff Thompson, you know, Jared Ruxer, three guys that uh, have 
quality stuff in the rotation. I mean, Amlung is, is a real winner, you know, and he's he'll be up to 89, 92 with a very good breaking ball slider. Um, it's uh, And then they've got so much bullpen depth, power arms in the bullpen too, especially with the two guys, um, Derek Self, who's just, you know, again, you talk about a winner. I mean, this guy has, has done it his whole career. Um, really proven guy with, with again, good stuff. Uh, Matt Cook's got a huge arm. He'll be up to 93, 95. Uh, he's got a lot of arms on this team, and uh, I like the athleticism in the lineup. Um, you know, I don't think it's uh, – it, it's not a lineup that scares a lot of people, but, uh, you know, now that Adam Engel's back, he's such a key piece for them uh, in, in center field defensively and also just a guy that kind of – uh, ignites the offense. He's got 35 stolen bases, puts a lot of pressure on you, gets on base. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, I think this team plays okay defense. That, to me, is also a little bit of a concern. And they're only fielding 966. Um, it's just kind of average. Uh, but, uh, you know, but they've got some athletes up the middle. I mean, um, they're, they're, I think they're a pretty solid team. I mean, I don't know if they're going to go into Tucson and win a regional, but if any team could, I think it's them. I guess my other issue is that, to me, it feels like you have to be athletic. It's a big ballpark. It's a major league ballpark, a high Corbett field. Um, you have to have athletes. You have to have speed to play defense there and to keep uh, Arizona from tripling you to death. Um, does New Mexico State or Missouri have those kind of athletes? It feels like Missouri uh, kind of muscled up a little bit during the Big 12 tournament and hit in a way that they really haven't hit most of the year. Um, this this has been a program that's built its identity on pitching. They don't really have that. That bell cow this year, that Kyle Gibson, that uh, Max Scherzer, uh, those kind of guys. Um, who, who, you know, how did Missouri get here, and what's their strength? Well, Missouri does have some athleticism. I mean, that was to answer your original question. Yeah. Uh, Blake Brown, Blake Brown in center field is is a guy that covers some ground, and uh, you know, he's a guy we've been kind of waiting for him to put it together for two years. I remember seeing him as a freshman at the Houston College Classic and thinking, well, wow, this guy has a chance to be pretty, pretty exciting you know he's just he, he's got tools and and he's he has put it together this year he's had a nice season he's got 10 home runs he's got some stolen bases he's you know done a good job in center field um so you know that's i think a, a key for them um i think they've got some speed in the corners too dan opal is, is a is an exciting another exciting guy as far as raw tools goes in right field um i think they've got a good shortstop and with eric garcia who uh again is is uh one of those really nice kind of college shortstops, kind of a scrapper, um, you know, a little bit of a grinder at the top of the lineup, you know, works counts, that kind of thing. It's uh, It still doesn't strike me as a as a great offensive team. I mean, not in, certainly in the caliber of, of Arizona or New Mexico State. I mean, they're not in that class at all. Um, and, and I wonder if they're going to be able to slow down those kind of offenses in this regional. Um, I think they've got a, you know, a quality number one guy, um, and, and the lefty Rob Zestrizny, um, you know, he's he's a guy that came in is, uh, with some expectations, and and you know, he's, I think he's pitched very well down the stretch, especially. He, he was very good in winning against Texas in the in the conference tournament. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm I don't feel like this is a really dangerous Missouri team. I mean, they got hot, they won the conference tournament, um, but uh, I don't see them going in there and winning this regional. Feels that way to me as well, Aaron. And now you've got uh, New Mexico State and Arizona, your top two seeds. And these two teams have seen each other before. Uh, New Mexico State went to Arizona in a, a midweek series and won both games. Now, Arizona's kind of bugaboo this year is pitching depth. Um, but I, I, that's got to help New Mexico State a little bit. You know, what are the strengths and weaknesses of those two clubs? It feels like New Mexico State's, you know, 
So it's a ward coach team, so they're going to hit. Yeah, they are going to hit. That's for sure. And, and um, you know, they they believe they believe that they're good enough to win uh, on the road. They don't have to just be at home. And you know, I know that they um, they're only eleven eleven on the road. Um, but they played a tough schedule too. You know, you go to Baylor for a couple of games and you lose them. Um, but uh, they've they've played very well against New Mexico, who's had a who's had a great year. We talked about them before. They had those two wins against Arizona. I mean, this team has proven that it can it can beat some good teams. Um, and uh, you know, Zach Fisher is, is really the the centerpiece in the middle there, the catcher who uh, um, you know. Is their leading hitter? Uh, he's he's a good prospect too. He's an exciting guy. I mean, I think they've got uh, again they've got some athletes. They've got some power. Um, they're not just a team that's going to sit back and hit home runs though. Um, you know, they've got a lot of a lot of doubles on this team. They use the gaps very well. So I think this ballpark plays pretty well for them. And uh, and they're and they're better in the mound than they have been in the past. You know, they've got more arm strength, more guys that can touch 90. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think again that they're they're necessarily good enough on the mound um to shut down Arizona if Arizona is 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 you know playing its best but uh um but they're certainly competitive. Arizona's the number 1 seed here Aaron. I feel like for a top 5 preseason team that tied for first place in the Pac-12 they're almost under the radar. I don't feel like the rest of the country thinks they're as good as we do, and I think what separates them for us is their athleticism. They're an athletic team. They defend pretty well, and they, they pitch well. They really don't have a, a glaring weakness, it doesn't feel like. What's their big strength for you? It's the – it's like you said, the the word is athleticism. I mean, I just think that they're uh, um, you know, up and down the lineup. They can really run. Um, you know, they can uh, – they can defend. I mean, they've got uh, the Big Twelve, uh, Big Twelve, the Pac-12 Player of the Year in uh, in Alex Mejia at shortstop, who also is is a is a quality defensive guy and just makes you know he's he's really the the guy that kind of energizes them, I think. Uh, but you know, Johnny Field and Robert Refsnyder and uh, on and on down the lineup. I mean, it's uh, it's just you know, Joey Rickard is is a is a really good athlete at top. Of- Lineup. Um, Seth Mejia is bringing a third base, and these are veteran guys. They've all they've all been there and started for multiple years, and they all started as freshmen. And uh, you know, I, I just think the lineup is is exciting. You know, they um, they can they can make things happen, and and they've got a, a number one starter in Kurt Heyer, who's won a lot of games and uh, has pitched very well down the stretch. He you know threw a complete game shutout against Arizona State in in the last week, and um, you know I think that the the pitching after Heyer is not special. That's my concern about Arizona. Um, you know, I saw Connor Wade at USC. He wasn't great. Uh, he wasn't great the following week at Arizona State either. I mean, he's he to me is the key guy for Arizona. They need Connor Wade to pitch well, and you know, he, he's he's got talent. He's got a good sinker. Um, he's not as as good as I saw him in the Cape last year. So that gives me a little bit of concern with this team. And and James Ferris on Sunday hasn't been uh, terribly consistent either. So, um, you know, I. I I'm not in love with their bullpen. I mean, on the mound, I still have reservations about Arizona. Yeah, Matt Troop was better, it seemed like, uh, this year as the year went on. It felt like he got better anyway. But they they are the opposite of North Carolina, which is their uh, <laughs> super regional matchup. Um, I'm picking Arizona to win this regional. I do think that Louisville and the Aggies of New Mexico State are dangerous. I still think Arizona at home is, is too tough. I'm, I'm picking the Wildcats. 
Yeah, me too. I, I feel the same way. I really like this Arizona team, um, and uh, I agree that they're really good at home, and uh, I'm also picking the Wildcats. What about that North Carolina-Arizona Super Regional? Um, I, I guess actually I didn't ask you about the LSU, the LSU Stony Book Super Regional for you. I'm going <laughs> to guess you're picking LSU. Yeah, I will pick LSU. I don't see Stony Brook going into Baton Rouge and, and winning that Super. I'm also picking LSU to beat UCF in a battle of Terry Rooney. So uh, that would be an outstanding uh, that would be an outstanding press conference to attend uh, yeah. before that Super Regional. Uh, some mutual admiration society would be going on there between Palmineri and Terry Rooney. Uh, and then North Carolina, Arizona. Who do you like in that super proposed Super Regional that we both would have? That's a tough one to pick. I've gone back and forth on it. Because um, I do think Arizona is exciting, like I talked about before, and they're I think a lot more offensive than UNC, and uh, you know, and, and athletic. But um, you know, North Carolina at home with all of its pitching, um, I give North Carolina such a huge advantage on the mound in that matchup, and uh, I think I would take the Tar Heels there. I think, that, like I said, to me, those teams are opposites. I don't think North Carolina is not athletic, but Arizona seems like it's a lot more athletic, more speed, yeah. much more offensive. But I would take Colin Moran over anybody on on Arizona's team, uh, and I would take Kent Emanuel. Although Kent Emanuel, it's a tough one between Emanuel and Kurt Heyer. Maybe I would take Kurt Heyer. He's pretty good. Um, yeah. But North Carolina's pitching depth is just so much better. Um, I have to, even though it's a three-game series, maybe you don't need more than two or three pitchers if you're Arizona. But I, I would pick North Carolina to win that uh, that re, that super regional as well. Last couple of brackets, Aaron. Let's go ahead and, uh, and get through these. Uh, our, our pace has slowed today on the Baseball yeah. America podcast. Um, but Stanford and uh, the, the, the Cardinal hosts the regional as a one seed. Pepperdine, Michigan State, Fresno State. Bulldogs, uh, Mike Batesel got a national championship to his credit. They, uh, I don't know if they dominate the WAC, but they're the most consistent program in the WAC. And here they are again. Uh, J- Jordan Rivera in that last uh, class finally gone. Uh, the last links, I guess, of the 2008 national champions. Uh, what can you tell us about Fresno State? I'll be honest with you, I have not followed much of that team besides uh, Aaron Judge, our number one prospect uh, last year in the uh, in the Alaska League. Uh, what's the what's the frequency with Fresno State? <laughs> well, you know they're they they kind of once again they kind of did what Fresno sometimes does, and they didn't. You know, they didn't uh, have a great year, but they came on like gangbusters when it mattered. And that's just, you know, they they won that series at New Mexico State down the stretch. Uh, They got hot in the conference tournament, beat New Mexico State again. I mean, this is, I think, an offensive team. That's when you look at Fresno, that's what jumps out is is lately, at least, they've really gotten the bats going. Uh, And I think that was a real issue for them earlier in the year. But now they seem to be swinging with a lot of confidence. Um, you know, Trent Garrison has, has been their leading hitter. He's kind of a, you know, a, a guy that, uh, um, just a veteran guy that, you know, is, is a quality player. I mean, um, there's a nice job uh, defensively back there. And, and you know, he's, he's uh, uh, I guess they've got him at first base, but, you know, he's uh, he, he hits in the middle of the lineup behind Judge, kind of gives Judge some protection. Um, I think that uh, on the mound, you've got uh, Taylor Garrison in the bullpen is, is really a, a strength in Trent's brother. Um, you know, he, lower slot guy, a lot of life, uh, really fast arm. I mean, he's a good player. I think Tyler Linehan, Justin Haley is a nice one-two punch, Tommy Harlan. I mean, they've got three guys that they do trust in the, in the rotation. So uh, it's a solid team. I mean, I don't think it's as good as 
um, some of the teams they've had, certainly not as good as it's not the away team, you know, that 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 uh, finished a few games over 500 and then you know got hot and won the College World Series. This team's not going to do that. Of course, that was a preseason. Uh, right that now. was a preseason top 25 team. That that Fresno team. This this yeah. one is not. Um, Michigan State also again we talked about it in the podcast Monday. Doesn't uh, I mean it almost feels like uh, Michigan State's playing with house money. You know, I mean the, they've got to yeah. be excited to be here, but they're they're probably just happy to be here at all. Um, the way their season finished. Um, I know you're impressed with Jake Boss, and uh, they also have uh, one of the better names in college baseball. What is it, Torsten Boss? Torsten Boss. Torsten no relation. Boss. No relation, but a great name. Torsten is a pretty great name. Um, you know, but, but beyond the names and beyond the scrappiness, being a scrappy Big Ten team, uh, do they have a chance to win this regional? Do they have a chance to win a game or two out here? Well, they could certainly win the opener against Pepperdine. I mean, I think that's a really nice matchup between uh, Tony Buccifero and, and John Moscott, a couple of um, veteran pitchability right-handers that do have solid stuff, and they're not just soft tossers, but they the point is they really know how to pitch, locate, and move in and out. I think that's a, I think that's a matchup that can go either way. And uh, I do like Michigan State's um, lineup. You know, I think uh, Boss is, is, a, is an exciting talent. He can run. He can... Uh, he's got a nice line drive stroke. Uh, I really like Ryan Jones, the second baseman, um, just a natural born hitter. You know, a line drive machine. Um, he's he's a he's a guy that uh, deserves a lot of attention. I mean, and they've got some you know some talented younger players like Ryan Creel, um, who stands out. I mean, he's uh, he hasn't had a great year, but uh, he's you know he's got some physicality. You know, he's a big guy. He can run into a ball. Um, you know, he could be a little bit of an X factor, perhaps. And and in the bullpen, uh, you know, Tony Weaver has been fantastic for them. He's got nine saves. Uh, he's been very difficult to hit. I remember seeing him down in College Station um, earlier this year and, and coming away impressed. I mean, he's uh, he's got a good arm. And so does David Garner. Um, it's kind of one of those guys that uh, is, you know somebody somebody to watch here. I mean, I think he might have one of the best arms on their staff. But uh, they've used him. You know, they used him as a starter. They used him in the bullpen. Um, you know, that's that's another guy that uh, is a factor here. But I think Pepperdine uh, is is it's you know these two teams are pretty similar. I mean, I think Pepperdine is uh, um, again a pretty sound team up the middle. Uh, Joe Sever and Jack Vinci Vinci are really the guys that make them go. I mean, I think those two guys are uh, great college players. You know, and and Sever can really hit. He kind of looks like Dan Ugly out out there, but. Um, you know, he doesn't have that kind of power, but he's that kind of a, of a build and uh, just a, a good offensive player. Um, Vincey's had a nice year with the bat as well. Um, the lineup doesn't doesn't really scare you, but uh, they, you know, they've done a good job uh, one through nine manufacturing offense. Um, and then they've got uh, Moskett and, and, and Scott Frazier right. on the mound. And, and Frazier is, is, you know, if they're going to win this regional, they need Frazier to be very good. And, um, you know, I don't know. He, he's been up and down this year. I mean, at his best, um, he's not maybe as overpowering as, as I thought he would be. Uh, but it is, you know, he'll be up to 90-94 um, with, with a good breaking ball. But He's kind of become, um, become a Cole Cook type of guy out there, hasn't he? Like a, I know his slot's maybe not as low as. Cole Cook, but he's kind of a sinker slider guy now, isn't he? Instead of a strikeout guy. I think that's you could probably say that. Yeah, I mean, and it's uh, it, he definitely doesn't miss as many bats as I thought he would. That's the thing um, that I've been surprised by. But he, and he's just been up and down. You know, he's had some some days where he's really been hittable. I think he was against San Diego. So um, he's he's the key for them if they're gonna if they're gonna make noise in this regional. 
Yeah, he uh, – and, and I guess uh, we can say that they probably, at least for this year, they got the wrong Jelilich, right? Matt Jelilich, I yeah. assume, is the brother of Jeff. That's right. Hitting almost 200 points yeah, lower than his older brother. That's got to hurt. Um, meanwhile, the, the Stanford Cardinal, Aaron, a uh, team that we have talked a lot about this year, still doesn't feel like uh, Stanford has quite put it all together. Can they do that now? Are they going to make uh, their alumnus, Kyle Peterson, look good for picking them to win the whole thing? Just doesn't quite feel like they've ever put it all together, but I still feel like Stanford's extremely dangerous. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think I think they uh, dominate this regional. Frankly, I think they cruise through it three and zero. I think this is the time of year where you could just imagine that Stanford offense getting hot like it did last year. You know, I mean, um, it's we've talked about Stanford a lot this year. They've got a lot of uh, pure talent. And I like the fact that Mark Appel has, I think, pitched extremely well in the second half of the season. He's had a great year, period, but he's, he's really been he's really been hot down the stretch, um, which is a, is a nice asset. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to throw him in the opener or not against Fresno. I bet they probably will, um, which uh, you know, which means you got to have you need to have a much better start out of Brett Mooneyham than you had last week when he got lit up by Cal. That's for sure. Um, that's a concern. And then, you know, what are they going to do in the number three spot? I mean, lately they've had Piscotti starting, and he's pitched pretty well for them. Um, but, you know, when he's also your, your best hitter, um, how, how, do you, how do you best structure that? Let's say if you've got a play potential game and after that on Monday, um, I, don't, I don't know, you know, with these two-way guys, especially someone who hasn't done it a whole lot, um, it, that's something to, to keep in mind. I don't know how they're going to use him. Maybe he gets started in the second game because he's, Again, he's been better lately than, than Mooneyham has been, but um, I think the fact that Piscotti has stepped forward as a starter and allowed them to keep A.J. Venegas in that bullpen role, uh, where they, I think they really like him. Um, it's There are arms on this team. I don't trust their pitching um, you know, maybe deeper, on, deeper in the postseason, but right now I think they have enough pitching and certainly enough offense to win this regional at home. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but they're my, they're my pick. I think they are the, the pick to click for this regional. It, it does feel like they should dominate this regional. Uh, the Tallahassee regional, on the other hand, does not feel like a regional area that anybody can dominate. Uh, the number yeah. one seed, Florida State, the number three national seed, and they drew a bear of a, of a regional field with Mississippi State as the two. We both felt Mississippi State had a strong case to, to host and be a one seed. Stanford, the number three, my personal cheese ball team. I don't know why, but they are. I am glad that I say I don't know why. I am glad they made a regional to make it look better that I was on Sanford coming into the year. They were almost my yeah. Omaha sleeper. Mississippi State was my Omaha sleeper. And then UAB as the four seed, kind of the feel good story here with UAB. I assume that Ron Polk will be there as their volunteer assistant coach, wearing yeah. number thirty six and giving out pithy quotes to the media if anybody knows that he's there. Um UAB, you know, pretty you know, Dylan Napoleon, veteran uh, you know, been their Friday guy the last two years. Uh, I feel like he'll give them a competitive start against Florida State, but it doesn't feel, Aaron, like UAB is really a dangerous team in this regional. But all the other three teams really do feel dangerous. Um, what, what's the, what, you know, how do you rank those three teams? Did you go one, two, three, Florida State, or is Mississippi State's hot streak and their incredible pitching give them the edge in this regional, even over the homestanding Seminoles? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, Florida State has, you have to acknowledge momentum. Florida State has struggled the last couple of weeks now. They've been into a little bit of a funk. They went 0-3 in the conference tournament. Mississippi State won the SEC tournament, uh, and that's loud. 
but uh, you know this is a situation where um, you know I think this is not a great draw for Mississippi State. You know, is a pitching team going to an offensive ballpark? Yeah. Um, they can. They certainly have the pitching that they can win there. They can win anywhere with their pitching. But I think they're going to have to use Chris Stratton in the first game against Stanford and Josh Martin. Um, so, you know, that that probably allows Florida State to, to miss Stratton, which is, a, I think, a huge advantage. I mean, he's the SEC Pitcher of the Year. Um, I think Florida State uh, probably won't see Dylan Napoleon in that first game. I think really Michael Busby has been their number one guy lately. Okay. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see – how that goes, but uh, I don't. I don't see UAB um, beating Florida State in Tallahassee. I mean, I, I just think this this Florida State team. You know, I think they're. I think they're going to prove to be resilient. I mean, teams that have the kind of experience that they have um, in the lineup and in the infield and on, on the coaching staff. Um, you know, they they don't. I, I feel like they don't just roll over uh, when they hit a little bit of bump in the road. And 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 actually, you know, the thing I've been worried about with Florida State has been. Uh, the freshman in the rotation, where they hit the wall down the stretch. Yep. I thought Brendan Liebrand looked pretty good last week, and Mike Compton pitched pretty well, too. Um, those guys are doing all right. I mean, I think this team is uh, is solid enough on the mound, and, and I still think it's really potent offensively, and I just, I just believe in Florida State's uh, ability a little bit more. I also think, uh, as you said, that this was the worst possible draw for Mississippi State just to go to a, an offensive ballpark. Um, because you need help against their pitching. What was that stat? Their ERA in their last 24 games is like one six. Yeah, something crazy like that. So, you know, I I felt like Mississippi one five State, eight. Yeah, one point five eight. Okay, so I, I really thought that uh, this was a tough draw for them. I'll say that Samford. Uh, here's why they've been my cheese ball. <laughs> Number one, they have bullpen depth. Even though Lex Rutledge, who's the first reason that drew me to Samford. Was I liked Lex Rutledge in high school doing draft coverage, followed him to Sanford, and obviously got, his career got to a good start. He's almost an afterthought for this team now. I mean, he's still there, but he doesn't throw enough strikes. And, that, and they still have pitching depth even without their best arm. They have Josh Martin, as you said, the all-time wins leader in, in school history, and he's a, you know, he'll bump a 93, 94 every once in a while. Mostly he pitches average, and I don't think scouts like – I don't think scouts like him that much, but I like him. He's a good, very good college pitcher. Um, they've got bullpen depth. They've got some power arms down there. They've got the uh, Vander Heiden or Vander Linden, whatever the guy's name is. Uh, what's his name? Vander Heiden. Pardon me? Tyler Vander Heiden. Vander Heiden. Uh, he's a low slot joker. Uh, I like, uh, you know, I like low slot jokers. Uh, he's not a floppy wristed hooker, but he's a low slot joker, and I, and I like him. Arthur Strauss, another power arm. They're two hardest throwers. Are the guys I trust the least right now, and Arthur Strauss and and Lex Rutledge, and I, I just think the middle of their lineup is formidable. Uh, Saxon Butler yes. and Brandon Miller are a great one-two punch in the middle of that lineup, and don't and forget C.K. Irby and, and Philip uh, Irvin. Uh, they're dynamic offensively. I think that's going to play in this regional. I think Sanford actually is a team that Mississippi State did not want to face in a, that first game. Uh, yeah. It's a tough matchup for the Bulldogs. I feel like the Bulldogs will win that game, but it wouldn't shock me. Like you said, they have to use Chris Stratton. If they don't use Chris Stratton, I think they're going to lose that game. Uh, I know the rest of their John, pitchers are good. I know Kittle Graveman's very good, but I just really like Sanford's offense. I, I think it's dynamic, and I like Casey Dunn. And you know, Casey Dunn, as a player, obviously son of a coach, uh, storied high school coach in Alabama, good college career for him at uh, at uh, Auburn. 
He hit, a, I'm pretty sure Casey Dunn's the dude who hit the winning home run in a regional in 1997 to get Auburn to Omaha. I'm pretty sure the last time Auburn went to Omaha when Tim Hudson was there, but their leading home run hitter and their best pitcher. But, uh, you know, Casey Dunn hit the winning home run, I'm pretty sure, in that regional in Tallahassee. My memory serves me. So he's had some fine moments in Tallahassee, and it would not stun me if Sanford won that game and got to the regional final. It would stun me if they won the whole thing. But I think that, that that's a that's a pretty potent lineup and a yeah. good spot for them to play. I think they're dangerous. I think there's a lot of uh, people who assume Mississippi State because they won the SEC tournament, SEC tournament are going to go in there and, and blitzkrieg their way through that regional. I, I think that Sanford is every bit as dangerous to win this regional as Mississippi State is. So I'll ask you to be more specific when you say you think the Bulldogs are going to win that game. Which which Bulldogs uh, do you think, uh, Sanford or Mississippi State? <laughs> well, no, I'm picking Mississippi State because they have Stratton. Because, okay. they, because they're going to pitch Chris Stratton, and I really do believe in Chris Stratton. I like Kendall Graven quite a bit, too. And, I mean, he's a good fit in that in that ballpark, too, as a sinker baller. I think he's only given up one home run all year. Uh, very consistent, commands a sinker, keeps the ball in the ballpark. And Mississippi State, even with their injuries, still athletic enough to make a lot of nice defensive plays behind them. But uh, I think those top three teams are all real good teams. But I'm picking yep. Florida State to win that regional area because they're at home and because dadgummit Mike Martin is just that good of a coach. I'm with you. I'm going to take Florida State. Um, I, uh, I'm i very intrigued, as you are, by that Stanford-Mississippi State matchup. I think this ballpark plays well to Stanford's strength, as we talked about. You mentioned the power that they have. Uh, which Mississippi State just doesn't really have. Uh, well, but, they have Hunter uh, Renfro. <laughs> they have Hunter Renfro, who will probably put on a show in batting practice. This is like the all-time cheese ball <laughs> regional. I mean, good grief. Yeah. Brandon Miller, Lex Rutledge, Casey Dunn, uh, Hunter Renfro. I mean, I, I can't right. get any more cheese. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a box of chinis, those little uh, Brazilian cheese puffs. Those are really the good, guy, by the way. The guy I like, uh, I don't know anything about Brazilian cheese puffs. But the guy I like is is Adam Frazier at, uh, at Mississippi State. You know the the sophomore shortstop. I just think is a really electric player. I mean he's got athleticism. He's got speed. Ton of patience. He's got twice as many walks as strikeouts. He sets the tone for them. We haven't um, even mentioned that guy. Mississippi State won a regional last year on the road at an ACC yeah. team, which is yeah. another reason to pick them. Um, but I'm I, I just think this, you know Florida State. I guess they, they did in Georgia Tech. Right. It was Georgia Tech. Big difference. Great call. Big difference. But uh, you got to give Mississippi State credit for the, all the injuries they overcame this year and still getting to this point. But uh, So I think we're both saying we wouldn't be shocked if Mississippi State won, but we're both picking Florida State. Now, Stanford-Florida yeah. State, super regional matchup, Aaron. and uh, two Two coaches have been there and done that. Uh, I'm picking Stanford in that super to go on the road and win at Florida State. Who do you got? I like Stanford too. I think ultimately they. Uh, oh, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I you know I think that matchup is is really difficult. But Stanford, um, you know, Mark Appel gives them such a I think a significant advantage in that first game. Um, and uh, you know we'll see if Stanford gets its arms figured out. I mean I I think that Florida State has uh, has been probably the more consistent team on the mound this year out of those two clubs. But uh, um, I, I just you know we had Stanford number two in the preseason. I believe in their talent, um, and, and I think 
they can they can go on the road and win that thing. I mean, they're battle tested. You know, they granted they played a lot of their their tough games at home this year, but um, you know, we know that Stanford can go on the road and win. I agree. I, I'm picking Stanford as well, and I uh, for a lot of the reasons you picked. I just I feel like Stanford's bats, the great Blandino, Brian Regeira, Austin Wilson, Stephen Piscotti, they're gonna make. Uh, I feel like they can make that ballpark in, in Tallahassee look pretty small. Uh, yeah. And uh, they make any ballpark look small. Uh, batting practice is different from the games, but I like the fact that that team has depth in that lineup. Even if the stars aren't coming through, you know, Eric Smith, the catcher, has had a nice year. Nice little player. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Jose, Florida guy, going to have a lot of fans probably at that game. Uh, he's really coming on. He, he has been a factor for them lately. And uh, like we said, Alex Blandino. So I just think uh, Stanford, too many weapons. Uh, it'll be a tough, a tough. Uh, it'll be a tough outcome for college baseball's Tim Tebow, uh, J- James Ramsey, uh, to not get to Omaha. So my Omaha bracket, Aaron, is Florida, South Carolina, Oregon, Baylor on one side, UCLA, LSU, North Carolina, Stanford. Yours, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Florida, South Carolina, Purdue, and Rice, and then we have the same right side of the bracket: UCLA, LSU, North. No, Carolina, I've Stanford. got. I've got Texas A&M. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I, I wrote that down wrong. You've got a, so A&M, LSU, North Carolina, Stanford. That's a big difference. Right. Yep. So who are you picking? So yesterday we uh, in yesterday's podcast we both picked Florida to win that bracket, correct? Yes. I'm picking North Carolina on this side of the bracket. I think North Carolina has uh, too much pitching, too much Omaha experience, too much Colin Moran. Who are you picking on this side of the bracket? I'm taking Texas A&M, the Aggies. Uh, I think uh, Waka and Stripling um, carry the, carry this team through. And uh, you know, for all the reasons I've talked about, how much I like the Aggies, uh, I think they're uh, I think they're very dangerous in the postseason. Are you picking Florida to beat the Texas Aggies in uh, in the in the CWS finals? I am picking Florida to beat the Aggies. Yes. I'll tell you what. I'm picking I'm picking Florida as well, but I'm picking that like 52-48, like 51-49. Mm. Um, I, I just feel like uh, the best bullpen wins, and I I do think that Florida's bullpen is aces. But uh, you know, if you put a if you put a gun to my head, which please don't, but if you did, <laughs> Austin Maddox versus Michael Morin, I take Michael Morin in college baseball. Hmm. Paco now Paco Rodriguez versus R.C. Orland, as good as R.C. Orland is, I would take Paco Rodriguez. Greg Larson versus I don't know who North Carolina's third best reliever is right now. It's uh, uh, what was it? Luis Pena set up last week, pa- right? Paula. Pardon me. Luis Paula. Luis Paula, thank you. They've also got Shane Taylor as an option. They've got uh, oh, who's the skinny kid from Charlotte? Uh, Chris McHugh. Mm-hmm. That guy can really throw. I, I like Chris McHugh. Um, I think North Carolina has better depth. I think I'd take Florida's top three, but push comes to shove. You need to, I know that Austin Mattis can be extended, but I would take Michael Morin. I think he's the best out of all those guys. And I'll be honest with you, I know Mike Zanino is really good, and I know that Preston Tucker is really good. I would take Colin Moran over any of those guys. So it's, to me, uh, those two teams are real close. I think Colin Moran – honestly, I think the best hitters in the country are, are all not juniors, Aaron. I think it's like Chris Bryant. I think it's Colin Moran. I put Michael Conforto on that short list. I'm not impressed by the junior and senior classes this year. As good as some of their numbers have been, uh, pure hitters in the country. I think Colin Moran and Chris Bryant are my two favorite hitters in the country. So, 
I think I think Zanino and Tucker with their balance of power and you know and patience, um, those guys are good. And and oh, you they're know, really really good. Not taking anything away from them. I just think that Moran is better. Maybe yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you can make that argument certainly. Um, but uh, regardless, I mean, I think Florida is a better team. I think they're they've got a deeper lineup. I think they're much more trustworthy defensively. That's a huge um, point. I mean, you know, teams that win the College World Series play good defense. Period. I mean, look at South Carolina. Look at Oregon State. These dynasties. Yep. They all play great defense in the infield, and Florida does. They're fielding 978. They've got a shortstop in Nolan Fontana, who's a junior, versus a, a guy, a freshman shortstop in North Carolina, who isn't really. I mean, he's not really a shortstop. I mean, I he's mean, really he's been he's been an adequate stopgap yeah. for North Carolina. That's what he's been. Right. And you know he's and I and I give him credit. I I was impressed actually this weekend watching him play because he, um, you know, he again, he just doesn't look like he would be that fluid, but he gets the balls and he's got arm strength, which I think makes up for maybe a little bit of a slow transfer, but he's not quick twitch like Fontana is, you right. know, if that makes sense. He's no Ryan but, Grapel, uh, put it that way. No Ryan Grapel. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I mean, North right. Carolina got nice to the player. finals with Ryan Grapel, I mean, a pretty good defensive player. But, I mean, their, their yeah. best team had Josh Horton at shortstop. Josh Horton was a really good college shortstop. So, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they thought that maybe Tommy Coyle could be a Josh Horton kind of player. And uh, for them to win a national championship, they probably would have needed him to be that kind of player. Yeah. He hasn't quite been that player. So, But I do think, you know, I do think North Carolina is very well equipped to win a national championship. But you just, I think you just pointed to the reason that they're not, the de- infield defense. And it's been better since they made that move. We have to acknowledge that. It's been a lot better. Coyle has made many fewer errors at second base, and he made it shortstop. Um, you know, I think – Moran is solid at third. I don't think he's, um, you know, rock solid. Uh, you know, I, he's not Cody Dent, for instance, if you right. put Cody Dent to third base. Uh, he's but, not uh, Scott you know, Wingo, let's put it that way. That's when I think of right. good defensive players in Omaha, playmakers. Uh, frankly, I think of Scott Wingo. That guy was a sure. playmaker. Sure. Even Adrian Morales at third base. Yeah, Adrian Morales. And then the ultimate playmaker out of all these guys in the, in the fit era, Darwin Barney. Darwin Barney, there it is. Hit a walk-off home run yesterday for the for the Cubs. Darwin Barney's a stud. I mean, the guy's just a ball player. I mean, yep. I was talking to a a, a minor league uh, manager today, and he just we were talking about players who win versus prospects. And Darwin Barney's a player who wins. And I think Nolan Fontana's a player who wins. I yep. think Christian Walker's a player who wins. Um, if you're ranking your eight teams there and you're going Florida one, A&M two, uh, who, who would you put as your third team? Would it be the Gamecocks? I better go with the Gamecocks. I think I would as well. Uh, I think if him is a tough, tough matchup for both Florida and South Carolina, if they both get to Omaha to to see each other in that first game and to be in that same bracket. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I I really, I think this has got to be the Gators' year. Uh, they're just too experienced, too talented, too well coached. Uh, we are privileged to have talked about this all year and to have postulated and to have thought about it and talked with you about it here at BaseballAmerica.com and on iTunes. Obviously, we enjoy it, and we hope you do as well. And we'll keep on doing it through the postseason. But, uh, Aaron, it really is it's just so much fun to cover college baseball with you and uh, look forward to seeing you in Omaha and uh, obviously talking with you between now and then and looking forward to more uh, regional previews. They're on their way. We'll have those things posted all by by Friday morning at the latest. 
Sounds like a plan. And we want to remind you this Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. ATEC is committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbett and more on ATECSports.com. ATEC win every practice. Aaron, I think you won this podcast. I think I did. <laughs> well, we'll find out in a couple of weeks if A&M is there or if UCLA is there. That was our big that was our big difference. Well, A&M, uh, UCLA, Rice, and, and Arkansas, uh, and then uh, the well, the left side of the bracket, we had some we had some differences. So, not so much on the right side. We were pretty much uh, in lockstep there. But Stony Brook, that'll be the big determiner on the right side of the bracket. There you go. Gutsy pick for Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America College Podcast. So long, everybody.